Hello San Pedro podcast, episode 87. Hey, I'm Amanda. And I'm Jess. And this is the Hello San Pedro podcast. Join us as we talk with locals, community leaders, business owners, and people like us who love all things San Pedro. Every week, we'll explore San Pedro's deeply rooted culture, discuss local issues, and spread good vibes. Let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to our episode. This is Jess, one of your co-hosts. Our next guest is a very fun, long time in the waiting uh, guests that Amanda has always wanted to have on the podcast and it was such a pleasure to speak with them and we look forward to you having a fun time listening to our Halloween themed episode um, and hearing more about who they are. We'll go ahead and let them introduce themselves. So hello, I am Rosemary Wilson and I am um, co-owner and marketing director, um, HR, business guru of subterranean hair hey there party people my name is mitchell wilson and i am the creative director co-owner educational um i don't want to say guru uh and i don't know i'm the educator basically is what somebody said recently to a client they called in but um yeah subterranean is from my cradle of innovation mentally type mm-hmm. of thing so yeah that's me Mm-hmm. Oh, singer, guitar player, synth player of Mirrored Vision, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice plug. Love yeah. it. <laughs> we save the rapid fires for our Patreon, which is our bonus. Um, but it's Halloween. And so we did some Halloween rapid fires. Oh. And yeah. we thought that'll kind of warm us into the interview. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's do... Um, let's do like three. three each. Yeah. yeah. Okay, three each. All right, Rosemary, you can go first. Okay. And just read the question out loud, too. Oh, okay. Ooh. Okay, haunted house or haunted cemetery? That's a good one. Um, I don't know. Can I do both? <laughs> yeah. Which do you prefer? Um, I like haunted house as in like maze, not scary farm, or like actual haunted house. Like an actual haunted house versus okay, like, a haunted okay. cemetery. I would go haunted cemetery over the haunted house. Oh. Yeah, I would yeah. too. Yeah. I would be way I too feel like there's to too many house. walls and like traps and loops and turns and houses for me to get out. Yeah. <laughs> same, same. Open air. Okay. According to Hocus Pocus, they can't step foot in there, right? right like right. hollow ground <laughs> or something. <laughs> okay, so how soon do you decorate for Halloween? I think it's just uh, kind of annual. And a lifestyle. So I'm kind of always, you know, dressing up for an annual setup. Yeah. It's just yeah. All times. It's a lifestyle. I think at our house, it's like always kind of spooky. This is why I knew you both would be excellent for our Halloween. Yeah, we have a a bat in a glass cage in our house all year round. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like a taxidermy? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Your favorite costume of all time. Well, I did make a pretty amazing um, 
Poison Ivy costume oh back gosh. in my prime. Yes. And um, I felt like that was really good. I had fun making that um, and putting it together. But I'm pretty excited for this year's costume. Um, <laughs> the salon, We every year we do a theme of costumes, so we all dress up in the same theme. Um, so this year is our classic horror film characters. <laughs> and I, um, being the natural redhead that I am, um, naturally will be Chucky. I was going to say, you're Chucky. <laughs> I'm trying to think of another redhead in horror. I am not a horror movie fan. I can't handle it. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't know of it. There's either. a house on Patton Street, I believe, and they did their whole outdoor decorations as classic horror yeah. movies. Oh, and that's it's cool. like super cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh geez. This one's, uh, this one's really interesting. What movie villain do you most identify with? Ooh, what movie villain do I most identify with? Huh, villain. It has to be a villain. Um, I actually most identify with Maleficent. Mm -hmm. So I would say, like, if I'm to choose a villain, you know, and of course it's like, oh, is it Leatherface or is it, you know, no, it, it, it's probably Maleficent. I've had a lifelong obsession ever since I was a little boy. I was just, like, enamored and in love with Maleficent and, you know, all of the evil and the spirits from hell that she brings, right? Which is pretty dark <laughs> yeah, for I'm Disney. Scared. You know, it was like, it was pretty, you know. Yeah. She was, but, you know, she was like the wronged woman, you know. Yeah. It was like this thing, right? So you you identified with that particularly? I, I, I just think like that she... Like whole vibe. You know, I don't know. Maybe it was an infatuation probably yeah. more than anything, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was like, especially when Angelina Jolie did the... Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, the yeah. backstory. Oh, mm. now you're taking... That was a good... That was yeah. a good... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super good. Okay. Wow. If you could have any mythical creature loyal to you and your command, what would it be? A liger. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's my answer. No, <laughs> no Napoleon. Um, oh my goodness. If I could have a mythical creature. Well, then answer it. I know. I don't like rapid fire because I get nervous. I'm like sweating. Um, I'm just, I feel like I could give you a better answer. But you know I'm going to you... go with mermaid. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. I didn't really consider that as a mythical creature, but I guess it's yeah, yeah, like a mermaid yeah. best friend. Yeah. Yeah. A mermaid that just gives me all the answers of the under. I like. The and is yeah. loyal to you. And is loyal to And me. can yeah. like help you out and, and everything. I kind of, yeah. I kind of get the mermaid vibe with the aerial, yes. red aerial. Hair. I very much uh, tap into that. Okay. Okay, Mitchell, what was your answer? I think I, I, I don't know. I've had an affection and uh, you know something towards a Sasquatch my Ooh. entire life. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I don't know. I'm kind of like ninety-seven percent believe that they're there, mm -hmm. type of thing. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and. Um, yeah, there's just all kinds of qualities of, you know, where he dwells in the human psyche that I, I, I kind of... I... You like, yeah. yeah. Like, I yeah. love... I actually love thinking about his existence, mm. the existence of it. Mm. Um, and I've, I've always been like, yeah, I don't know enough to doubt it or believe it. Be, yeah. So I'm just pretty much open. That's you know, how I am you know. about a lot of things. Look, I think at the end of the day, you know, if we look at humanity and our discovery of you know things like 
the orangutan wasn't discovered until the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, and that's a pretty significant primate. You know yeah. what I mean? And, yeah. But he's also quite, the orangutan's quite elusive. It's not like you just go out there and, oh yeah, there's orangutan. You know, right, you yeah. have to actually look for them beyond the pale. Totally. Um, and so that's where, you know, at least, you know, in my mind. I would, What's yours? My, name, my answer is dragon. Dragon. I actually love dragons. Since before Game of Thrones, I've loved dragons. Yeah. Um, How to Train My Dragon. I love it. I watched it all the time with my kid before he knew what was going on. Yeah. It's just, they're my favorite. That's really cool. Okay. okay. Is this my third and final rapid fire? I think so. Okay. Let's make it a good one. Come on. I let's really get this, shake this up. Here, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, I got it. You I might think have I got, got it. it. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Here we go. Oh, wow. And I did, I took that one. <laughs> if you had to choose a dystopian scenario to survive, which one would you choose? The zombie apocalypse, catastrophic or catastrophic natural disaster, societal collapse, or lawlessness purge. Yeah, so there's three options. There's like zombie uh, apocalypse, yeah. natural disaster, yeah. Yeah. or like a purge scenario where like society collapses. And yeah. There's no, like there's just lawlessness. Right. Okay. So, I think that I would choose the societal collapse, lawlessness, purge kind of thing. Um, I don't think it would be easy to survive in that that setting in any way, shape, or form. But at least there'd still be, you know, some humanity here. still would have love, right? It's like Mm -hmm. I'm still going to have my wife and my child and my music and whatever. So, even inside of societal collapse, we may have to find a new way of personal defense. Right. But at the same time, um, yeah, I think that that would be something that, I, I mean, rather than like a catastrophic natural disaster, um, yeah, that could end half of, or, you know, a lot of the, the planet. Destroy Zombie apocalypse. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to tangle with that. That would probably be, you know, something that would be, um, yeah, pretty heinous. I mean, what was that movie that Will Smith was in? Um, I Am Legend. I Am Legend. That's right. all I think about. It was like him by himself with his dog, and then the dog dies, the zombies get him, and I'm like... Spoiler oh, alert. Right, yeah. Right? You know, but at the end of the day, it's like, oh, that would just be, like, just so Soul bad. Soul crushing. Soul Every yeah. day, how would you get up again? Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, his thoughts of suicide would be... Be more than did not. you watch um walking dead uh a little bit you know i'm not really big on the zombie thing too much yeah. unless it's like return of the living dead which is like that old punk rock movie yeah. from the 80s <laughs> like the classic yeah my, my drummer in my band plays in another like kind of more famous band called 45 grave and they had like a hit in that uh, in that movie you know and it's like so i always like oh, yeah that return of the living dead's that one that i <laughs> i dig but other than that nah the zombie you know fad it's yeah i don't know it's kind of like the new vampire fad that we had during um oh, twilight well, twilight mm-hmm. and you know all that sort of stuff and you know i i, I like it you know mm-hmm. but it's kind of i've been living there for all my life so capitalizing on it and then kind of you know i don't know corporate rocking everything is yeah Anyways, fun tangent. That was really fun. What a great icebreaker. You guys are so creative. Um, well, um, this is all Amanda's thinking. I love it. Well, yeah, it was like we need to have some Halloween like themes in here. Um, yeah. And normally we do rapid fires, but they're not Halloween related. Um, and we save it for our bonus episode. Um, so we do a bonus episode every week Super for cool. our patrons. Um, well, first of all, what we normally like to do is we like to ask for 
for a little bit of background before we go into the main thing, right? We want to talk about subterranean, um, but before we get into that, can we do kind of a brief little backstory with each of you? Yeah. Um, so, Rosemary, why don't you tell us where you grew up, actually? Okay. Um, so, I am from a small West Texas town. Um, I. What's it called? Odessa, Texas, home of oh. the Permian Panthers, <laughs> Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Go Mojo. Um, and then I, you know, graduated and quickly left home and moved to LA and went to FITM. Um, so I studied product development and, um, I always thought, knew I would be in some sort of like fashion, interior design, beauty realm in my life. That's something I was always really passionate about. And, um, I fast forward through school, um, ended up landing an awesome job um, opportunity with TG at their corporate office, which is in Dallas, Texas. And TG is the parent company, um, well, the product line company for Tony and Guy. So they had a wet line and then they had their um, salon side of things. So they were separate um, at the time that I joined when Unilever acquired them. And I started out working with them doing um, PR and marketing um, product development, um, in-store marketing, um, and kind of just worked my way up that um, corporate ladder and um, met Mitchell when I was there. And so he and I, um, he'll probably go into more of that story, but he and I worked fashion weeks together in New York and Miami. And anytime we were working on product development, um, it was usually him that I would go to to help, um, you know, help advise on the products that we are making to make sure from a hairdresser's point of view that they were actually doing their job. Mm -hmm. um, so I am not a licensed hair artist, um, but I have been in the industry for 10 years prior to subterranean hair on the corporate side. So um, once we had our daughter, we knew we needed to come back to LA and um, I worked for several different beauty corporate companies doing the same thing pretty much, brand development, product development, PR, marketing, that type of thing. Um, and then just really was jaded by the the corporate industry and seeing kind of the dirty, you know, ingredients that, the, that they were putting in products. And Mitchell and I, um, and he'll go into this more, kind of just started getting fed up with it and frustrated. Um, and it, subterranean hair was always something that he talked about and, you know, dreamed about. And we kind of, you know, kept it on the back burner and finally... Um, with his story, um, we were like, let's just, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Now's the time. If we don't do it now, we might not ever do it. So, um, that's kind of my background of, of all of that. Thank you so much. Yeah. I forgot yeah. that you went to FITM too. Yeah. You went to FITM. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> Two alums here. FITM sisters. Um, Mitchell, what <clears throat> would you say? Well, where did you grow up and tell us a little bit about your background? All right, so um, I was born in Redondo Beach and, um, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, was exposed to a pretty rocky divorce um, at about five or six. And um, so then when that kind of happened, I don't know, it's like I kind of like just isolated mm -hmm. myself mentally as a, like a security blanket from all the, you know, crap going on in my world. And um, found an affection in those early days of, of the 80s uh, within like kind of the punk rock, uh, new wave, you know, almost, you know, the death rock kind of culture. And it was like I had this affection for it, even as a really young lad. And um, 
And I remember, you know, being really young and like, you know, first when I saw Billy Idol, like I was like, oh, I got to have that like bleached whites, you know, spiky hair, you know, for my identity. And so it's like as far as I can, you know, mentally go back, it was like music and hair kind of went together. Um, by the time I was like 10, I, you know, fallen head over heels in love with Robert Smith and The Cure and Susie and the Banshees and it was like their hair was like everything um and so uh by the time I was 15 I'd had enough of my parents and I was like you know tangling with bands you know writing some music and stuff like that and so I ran away from home well not really ran away because I think it was a mutual separation like my parents were done trying to you know you know kind of house me in I'd started running away when I was probably like 13 years old realistically and so we kind of had like that, you know, emancipation type of thing happening. And um, I found myself in a studio apartment on 10th and Myler here with a band. So like literally like four of us in a little studio, 10th and Myler, getting into some, you know, probably not so admirable things to survive. Um, but yeah, music was at the forefront. I was going to L.A., Hollywood all the time, um, going to like the death rock clubs at the time, Helter Skelter. And stuff like that and just constantly being exposed to this like almost really extreme fashion um that was but it was like articulate too you know what i mean it was like everything was was well considered um and it was creating an identity and i think that that's when i really started to understand how much hair makeup and stuff like that um really helped define what was in our inner being um and so you know Probably by the time I was like 18, 19, I kind of had enough of, you know, trying to, to make it as a young band. And, you know, of course there was drugs and stuff like that involved that, you know, I was like, I got to get away from that. I always knew that I wasn't like cut out for that part of the, the music industry and stuff like that. Um, and it was because it was hard living, you know, it was like you kind of, you know, I remember going like dumpster diving with Christian death you know, to get like props and clothes and stuff. And I was like, ah, there might be rats in there, guys. Like, I don't know, you know, and it was Sanitation. like, yeah, yeah. You know, so it was like some of that kind of like drew me back into the real world a little bit. And I got like a job, you know, selling tennis shoes, which was really, you know, here I am with bleached white hair. And at least people were coming in going like, oh, you're like that Dennis Rodman guy from, you know, the San Antonio Spurs, you know, which is, you know, before he was a bull and Laker or whatever. But, you know, um, that was, you know, the early days, you know, but hair was always at the forefront of identity, no matter where you were, mm -hmm. right? And so it was like, well, maybe, you know, yeah, music is what I'm supposed to, you know, my legacy I'm supposed to leave on this world. But within that, mm -hmm. if there's a way that we can redefine what we, what, you know, the way that society looks at, at the, the hair artist, yeah. you know, it's like, cause I think so frequently we're looked at as grooming maintenance. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so, you know, we want to talk more about that. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm sorry. I went off on a tangent. You did and we love it. Yeah. Um, it's not really a tangent. We just love all of it. Hey everyone, real quick, just wanted to remind you that we have a Patreon. So if you are enjoying this episode and you're loving the podcast, we invite you to check us out uh, at patreon.com slash hellosanpedro. This week we have a Halloween themed rapid fire sesh between me and Jess, so we hope you enjoy that. Happy Halloween.
Yeah. So uh, I know Jess has a lot of subterranean related questions. Mm. And let her get Especially into that. about mm. the ethos and yes, everything. Because that's huge. And yeah. we both noticed it because we talked about our experiences with subterranean. Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, and normally what I usually get, and we don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about your love story because oh, yeah. you two had to right. happen before <laughs> subterranean so happened. So if yeah. we can get some of that, and then we're going to focus on subterranean after that. That. Yeah. Well, see, the thing was, two stories yeah, the story, right? you know, it's the truth and then his. Right. <laughs> yeah, There's yeah. what really happened and then his version. Yeah, but his, yeah. his version is more entertaining. But let's hear from Rosemary. I just went off on that long tangent, so no. you, you, he's you, winded. Let's, he's yeah, winded. I need to drink something. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, we we met working at TG together, the corporate office, and um, I. I think we moved to Dallas around the same time as what we kind of discovered because I had just moved from LA um, with like a side trip to Austin for a few months and then he um, ended up at the corporate office at Dallas around the same time and um, I think we you know just became like friendly talking to each other obviously we were working together on a few things and traveling to um, Fashion Week Um, so we got to know each other pretty well and I remember one day you asked me like what's your favorite restaurant in LA and I said um oh my gosh what's the name of it we haven't been for so long because it's not vegan yet El Compadre's on Sunset and he was like that's my favorite restaurant in LA and I feel like I don't know if he was just saying that because I was you know of course the the cute girl in the office right (laughs) um (laughs) yeah it would have been easy to just go with right but like out of all restaurants in LA I was like oh that's really cool right and so um you know, I thought that was kind of interesting, and um, and then the night, I guess, or the day, whatever you want to say, that we, like, really hit it off and thought something was there besides just, like, friendship was um, at the Mara Hoffman Miami Fashion Week party, mm-hmm. um, and this is where the story gets, you know, who's right or who's wrong, but basically, we were all dancing and having a great time at the Mara Hoffman after party, and um, it, we took a break dancing at three in the morning. And uh, my version is, is if you get closer, he said to me, if you get closer to me, I'm gonna kiss you. And great I, line, I, I, great <laughs> line. All the feels. Now I don't remember intentionally scooting over, but um, you did though. Apparently, <laughs> apparently I did, and um, and then yeah, he wasn't wrong. He kissed me, and then she was bold. Yeah. Yeah. As I am, and um, as it, it should be, yeah. <laughs> and you know, we started, you know, misting or raining in Miami, and we went out to dinner. I mean, you don't sleep when you're in Miami, so it was probably four in the morning at this time, and we just had the best time. And then I think it just kind of slowly evolved from there. And yeah, he mm-hmm. shortly became my best friend, still is, yeah. So I, I think that what I noticed with Rosemary was, you know, we would be working. At backstage, you know, at different fashion events and music events and things like that, where I would be doing hair for artists. And, you know, and sometimes I'm a little starstruck, right? You know, like a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, it's still, yeah, I'm in music and I know that we're all on this planet together and existing and, you know, we're all going to die and whatever. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I would see her handle, you know, egotistical artists the same as she would handle the lowest person on the totem pole 
And that was really intriguing to me. I, I just thought, you know, that really um, speaks volumes about who she is. And it's like, don't come in here, you know, if you're not on the list, you're not coming in. You know, I don't care who you are type of mentality. And let me let me bring you right back down to earth because, you know, you're still going to use the restroom like the rest of us. I love doing And, that. you know, and so I think that that was what really intrigued me about Rosemary. Um, but then, you know, she had a drive that was really unparalleled in whatever she was focused on, you know. And, of course, you know, I was flattered that she would choose me to help her with, you know, quotes and, you know, different creative directions, Um he was always my go-to guy to get those things because he had such a great image. He's so profound in the way he speaks. And, like, there's just such, like, this magnetism that I get from him that mm-hmm. I just feel like the world needs to hear and see him. Mm-hmm. And so I was always pushing for that. Yeah, and I think that that, of course, like, of course, that's going to, you know, the two support each other. And, um, yeah, so, you know, I think that things progressed and, um, you know, a year or so into it, um, we found ourselves pregnant, you know, or she found herself pregnant. And, um, I was like, how did you know you were pregnant? Yeah. <laughs> right. And it was like this, you know, thing that I think instantly I knew that that was what my life was supposed to be, you know, was a father and outside of all of these other creative endeavors and passions that I was so convicted in, it was like, Oh Yeah this is what, you know, and so I almost felt like, you know, the nature of, of things brought Rosemary into, into my world for that to be the next leg of, of my existence and, and what I'm supposed to do here in this short time we, we have here. Um, and I, and I still remember the, the second I laid eyes on my daughter, like everything else kind of washing away, you know, and it was like, this is, this is what life is supposed to be all about. Um, right here and I'm going to do everything I can to and like I told you guys earlier you know about five or six years old I was subjected to a a, I mean a horrific divorce and then had really tragic parenting you know even to this day and so I was like and now I have an opportunity to right that wrong Mm -hmm. and be the best father I could possibly be Um, and of course Rosemary is the counterpart to that and it's almost like there's a yin and yang in our parenting and, 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 and this sort of thing. And so I think that that's where, you know, we made a commitment the day that she showed me the sonogram with this little slug of a, of a life inside of her that was mine. In front of a record store, which was really Right, memorable. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we used to meet and go record shopping, right? And it was oh, like this, this date that we would do where we'd go, like, you know, buy records and listen to records. And she would make me these crafted cocktails in her, like, fancy Dallas apartment. And, you know, it was like this sort of thing. But, um, you know, and it's like, well, if, you know... Because I, I remember crying and saying, oh, my God, we're going to have a baby. And she was scared that I was going to be like, uh, yeah, no, we're not, you know, type of thing. And yeah, I was really worried about his reaction. And then yeah, so, he, like, blew me away with, like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. Like, it was the complete opposite reaction that I think at that time that I just didn't know, you know, how yeah. most girls would feel kind of scared right. in that moment. And, um, yeah, so it was, like, this was thing so that excited. I was, like, and, you know, whatever – turns you know or adjustments we have to make in this life we're, we're going to do this and I said but we have to you know 
we have to be committed as parents. And, you know, I think in today's day and age where, you know, the majority of marriages end in divorce and things like that, we, we just said, look, you know, we know that mm-hmm. and it's, and it's, you know, just, it's not going to be an option. Yeah. So we're going to travel this life together and yep, there's going to be those rough, rocky road days where, you know, we're probably going to need to retreat to separate corners once in a while and, and, you know, and regain who we are and our identity and then come back together, um, which happens, you know, mm-hmm. but I would say the majority of our, you know, our, our relationship has been a, a gifted, treasured mm-hmm. um, time, probably the best time in my life. And the, you know, it's been the flurry of innovation and, um, and creation and, um, yeah. And so I, I don't, you know, I couldn't imagine doing it any other way. I love that. And I love that you, we have your, your, everything that came after that here. And, um, so I'll let Jess take it, but thank you so much for sharing your love story. That's so lovely. I know. I'm, I love love stories too. <laughs> it's like the sweet tattoos for our anniversary. Did you really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so cool. We have that. Roses. Those are flower anniversaries. So I love goodness. that. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I have so many questions to follow up, but I'm not. I'm gonna get stick to the subterranean because we got to talk about the the brainchild go that ended up like, existing. Just leave it alone and sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you guys kind of touched a little bit about how subterranean started to come about. Yeah. There's the book, there's the experience and your entire journey with hair. Sure. Um, but like, how did it actually physically come to be? So I was, you know, I'd been doing the corporate gig, you know, which when you're in the corporate machine, you know, you're, you're, you're well paid, you know, so if you've secured a good position, you know, you've got a good, good income benefits there's all these things to kind of magnetize you in but that that punk rocker in me was just like constantly appalled by you know the things that they would do fill these bottles with just you know chemicals and fragrances and go out there and you know create a you know the marketing department designs most professional hair care products not the actual need for you know, something great or this like, you know, discovery of this magical new, you know, natural ingredient. No, it's a marketing story. It's like, so everything's designed to, you know, basically sell, sell, sell. And it's always profit over people. Um, And those things just like made me sick. And I was working, you know, with this corporate company in Culver City, owns nine major hair care manufacturers. And it was like, I'd get there at like seven in the morning and I'd leave at seven or eight at night and it was thankless. Mm-hmm. There wasn't this like, you know, wow, you know, you really, you're really contributing. There, there wasn't a whole lot of like education to further my, my position and it was soulless. It was just like, you know, and it was people, I, I just felt like everybody around me was you know, lacking in integrity. Mm -hmm. And it was like this thing that I just couldn't bear any further. So it's like, I'm kissing my daughter goodbye asleep and kissing her hello again asleep because uh, that's, you know, because I was, you know, and then I'm finding the 405 every day, just going, this is a nightmare. And, um, and you know, I'd be complaining to her on the phone and on the 405 going like, this is just like a nightmare that I'm like constantly groundhog daying. And it was like, she was like, well, then quit, you know? And I was like, uh, well, yeah, but we've got, you know, like, you know, all these payments and you know, everything else under the sun. Um, can't just quit necessarily. She's like, but you can, you know, like we, we we'll, we'll figure it out. 
you know, we're not going to sing. I'm an optimist. I, yeah. 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 <laughs> and it was like, she, and I was like, okay, well, that. you know, and she was like, look, if we find the space, you know, let's pursue this, mm-hmm. you know, we'll pull the financial, you know, savings and funds and whatever else. And we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. And that night I drove down here because I was like, well, if we're going to do it, you know, it, like San Pedro definitely has to be on the list because who wouldn't want to just drive down the street to work. Right. And it's like, we lived here. We, you know, we, everything we, our life is based around San Pedro. And, um, and so I drove down here, you know, right, you know, block away from you here. And, uh, and I saw these, like the chakra lights, you know, lighting up this window and it was like a blank empty space but the you know the owner of the building had left the chakra lights because i guess it used to be previously a yoga studio oh, so quite literally the chakra lights. i was like yeah. metaphorical i yeah. was like where are we going no yeah right no like there was literally like chakra lights yeah. in the window and you know both rosemary and myself have like a deep spirituality and and you know and so anyways i saw it and i was like this is it the beacon is calling me in, you know? And so, you know, we, we called the, you know, the landlord and, um, you know, weren't sure, you know, there was some things there initially to work out, but it did, it worked out. And I think that both of us not coming from that arena, but coming in from, you know, big corporate money, you mm-hmm. know, and seeing like, the way things could be, you know, mm-hmm. if you did, if you had the right investment and we, we just thought, well, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to do anything less than how we would want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it was like, we, we, we really explored what that meant to us. And we went to, you know, art museums and fine dining and just, you know, places that treated people and put them on a pedestal. And gave them, you know, honored their identity and their individuality. And whether that was, you know, uh, Kinto or, or, you know, the people that provide our glassware and stuff like that. You know, it's like you go into Kinto and there's this feng shui space where they've had, like, you know... Um, like very wabi-sabi design. Yeah. Very, like intentional, yeah. minimalist design. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what was it? They have a botanical harmonist yeah, that designed the, the, the plants. Right. And actually, we hired her to do subterranean plants initially. But yeah, there was this thing that was like honoring so much of the world. And we were like, that this is what we want to provide. I'm also a licensed barber. So I'm like, not only am I a cosmetologist, I'm a barber. And there was things that when I thrust myself into barbering, because barbering doesn't like necessarily cosmetologists barbering. So I couldn't really, even though I had this legacy of doing like fashion hair and, you know, all this great stuff and on stage all around the world, it was like when I became a barber, I had to really humble myself back down to this is what barbering is though. Mm-hmm. You know, and barbering has a legacy. It goes all the way back to ancient Egypt and, you know, there's all these, you know, barber surgeons and there's all this stuff with barbering that was really intriguing. And I, you know, I thought, well, I, I better give this all I've got and did a deep dive study into barbering and worked in some barbershops that, you know, was maybe a quarter of what I was charging for men's haircuts previously, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like, and you had to really, you know, think about that. You're getting like a quarter of it, you know, and now it's like, you have to really push that grind. Mm-hmm. But there was this, there was, you know, some old societal things in America 
that really I, I wasn't going to allow into our shop. You're kind of going into that next question, which is exactly that. It's like, tell us about like the ethos behind. I mean, we're getting touches of this, yeah. but like the the general ethos that you guys came into it when you guys were like, all right, we're going to open up Subterranean. Like this is what our vision is for this. Yeah. So it was, you know, where we looked at things like, you know, the old vestiges of like, you know, women not being allowed in a barber shop. Um, there being a stark contrast between, you know, what I guess you would call an urban barbershop, which, uh, you know, I think these terms are hideous. Um, but, you know, there was racial divides as well as gender divides that um, were in the beauty industry where we're supposed to be treating people to their identity, you know, and it was like things that just made us sick. And I, and I just thought this is this is really, you know, horrible for society, you know. But, yeah, I still like the age-old tradition of barbering and things, things that were inherent in, in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still had a deep affection for fashion and, you know, identity there, right? I believed that color was supposed to be, you know, something that we're experts in and we, we really wanted to honor the hair artist's expertise and put the artist on a pedestal. And, you know, but you have to find these like-minded artists that are really working hard to further their craft because it's constant education. Like, you know, we're, we're about to go teach class. Every Monday we're closed for education. So that's where the backbone of our ethos really um, came into play. And I'll just say, like, we're hair, all hair is, you know, the, at the forefront of what we do. So when we came up with, we already knew the name Subterranean, but we're, we decided, are we a salon? Are we a barber shop? No, we're Subterranean hair because we do all hair. Mm-hmm. There is no like, can you do this? Can you do that? It, no, we do all hair. Mm-hmm. So that's why we decided to keep it pretty simple that way. And it's um, like a big umbrella. For right. A big all. umbrella. And, um, you know, they're, what am I trying to say here? Basically, like everyone is welcome. So, like, to yeah. our, it's a universal hair space. So, everyone and all types of hair are welcome. Mm-hmm. And not to be from an artist perspective, we don't want our artists to shy away from a different type of texture that they're used to or, you know, density that they're used to um, because we believe that all of our artists should be well rounded. And that is part of the reason why we do education on Mondays is to get them, you know, in that sequence of being well-rounded and um you know we work on things not just with haircuts but theories and professionalism and Mm. um, how to talk to your clients how to get to know them um i mean even business things you know so it's not just this is how you cut a b and c we don't believe in right i love this there's like this um students for life you know type of a mantra where it's like you're Uh continuously learning you're evolving it's not like you get to a point and you're like all right i know all you know no never which i like never at all because it's like when you're jaded like that i think that it that's where things grow stagnant right and i think everyone can agree that we've all had that one experience of going to a hair salon and walking away and crying and being like devastated the worst and it's like i don't ever want to go to a salon again yeah and i think where that comes from for most people and just me being kind of a an onlooker um during the services since i don't do hair i think that always stems from the the guest not being seen by their artist and I think that, I will say, I think that's one of the greatest things that we have done and that Magilda has created is that we believe in seeing the guest mm-hmm. uh, for who they are. 
Can I share my experience? I was going to go into that for sure. I mean, as long as it's a good experience. No, <laughs> it kidding. was great. And um, I like, I told Jess about this too. And I remember telling both of you, like, this was a wonderful experience. Thank you. Um, you know, for people who haven't been to Subterranean, um, the experience is completely different than what you would normally get in a, in a hair salon or for a hair service. And, um, the first thing we did was I sat down with Mitchell, um, and you, I, for me, I sum it up as like therapy, but around my hair, (laughs) because I didn't realize how many like things that my hair really, you know, represented represented and affected me personally. You know what I mean? And we talked about all those things and we talked about the identity and, like the different, you had that book and you had me like go to certain things. Yes. yes. Can we talk about the archetype? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So just having that and having myself be able to identify what I related to the most. I mean, it was like the whole thing was just an incredible experience. And that was like half of the appointment, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, that you start out yeah. being heard. You start mm-hmm. out being listened to and being told your hair story, yeah. you know? And I was like, you know, you always have these things that you want to say to your person, but they're like, okay, cool, let's just get you started, you know? Yeah. But I was able to show Mitchell, like, this is my hair journey thus far. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm at in my life now. You decide where I need to be, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, these are, the th- I didn't even tell you what I wanted for my hair, I don't think. I just said, like, this is where I'm at right now. Yeah. This is how I feel. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. can do what you want. It's a, it's a very enlightening, so after you, um, told me about it I was like well I'm due for an air haircut I was like yeah let's go and I did I had she had mentioned like it's like therapy for your hair so I kind of came in a little bit you know mentally like open-minded about like oh this will be a cool experience I'm curious but honestly it's very enlightening and it's like uh I feel like it's an experience where you get to not only get in touch with your hairdresser or your artist you know the person that's going to be taking care of you and aligning that vision, but also getting to know your own self. Because it's very much like identifying your identity and then being able to communicate that. And that's, that's I mean, enlightening for anyone and everyone. And I appreciated that. And I walked away feeling so great and so confident. And yeah, so it's and incredible. I was disappointed that I wasn't going to be able to book with you for my next haircut because I was like, oh my God, you're so busy. <laughs> and then it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for my schedule. Um, and I don't remember who I ended up going with, but he was, I mean, the, the, the experience was still excellent. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He still listened to me. He still heard me out. We didn't do the whole thing, but mm-hmm. I felt like he had my profile maybe. We keep, right. your, we keep okay. the details in our database. Yeah, so. I felt like he already kind of knew a little bit about me and I was like, oh, he must be going off of Mitchell's assessment, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was it was cool. I felt like I was walking into a, a place where they already knew me even though I had never met him before. Yeah. yeah. Your hair is an extension of, of you and so you can have like this amazing pair of shoes or great jacket that you're like so obsessed with, but you don't wear those every single day. But what you do wear is your hair. Um, So I think, you know, flipping the our industry a little bit and having people realize that this is like, this is not, this is more than the Balenciaga handbag that you just, you know, saved, you know, $3,000 for. This is your identity. You wear this every day. Let's take care of it. Let's make it healthy. Let's make it look good. Let's show you how can the artist show you how to maintain that for your lifestyle Mm -hmm. when you do 
um, you know, at home to get ready for work or your family or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think the, I always kind of looked at, even in the really high end salons, it was like kind of going through the drive through of a fast food restaurant that you maybe have never been to before. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, you see these glorious pictures, right. And they would give you these books with these 16 year old models that, you know, have the amazing hair. They were selected for their amazing hair. And then it's like, we'll pick a winner, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, then the drive through you know, person comes through the microphone. It's like, well, what can I get you today? And you don't have a clue, right? You know, you're kind of like going, okay, well, I know what doesn't work or where my hair tragedies have been in the past. Um, but, uh, really okay, let, let me get the special, <laughs> right? Or whatever. And it was like, oh, that's just so not honoring the individual and what our, our trade really does because it really should establish self-esteem, or not establish self-esteem, but promote it and and give us a, a stronger sense of self. We all know what it's like when we look in the mirror and our hair's not right. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I've got to get this fixed so that I feel like me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, our, our mission statement is to promote hair professional prominence through expertly crafted universal identity. And there's so many things. That is the umbrella that we operate under, right? And the, like, the archetype, consultation that we do um you know it's like we don't we don't really look at pictures of you know things that you know it's like oh i want the latest you know kardashian or what we don't we don't look at that Mm -hmm. you know we look at you and we work hard to and how do you unravel that because i think the first time somebody comes in there's fear right because of how important our identity is and you know there's questions and maybe there maybe there's you know a certain amount of eagerness right it's like oh i've been looking at you know whatever pinterest etc and i've decided i want this but then it's my job as the professional with you know the education behind me to look and go is that right for you though mm-hmm. and then be that counsel if it's not because your lifestyle doesn't necessitate that you know it's like oh i've got 2 minutes to get out the door in the morning um, maybe you shouldn't get this like really intricate, you know, hair design that you're going to have to, because then it won't sit right for you. Mm-hmm. Right. So as much as we say, awesome, let's do this. There's also a, a, an amount of me being a professional going, this actually isn't going to work for you unless you take, you know, these other five new steps in your beauty regime that you're probably most likely not, you know, we're creatures of habit. Right. So the things that we do every day. And so that's where we really wanted to sit down with our clients and, you know, our reputations at stake consistently mm-hmm. with what we do in the subterranean house. And, you know, so the products that we recommend, you know, and, and the, the ways that we educate you on how to style your hair, um, all of those different things are, are vital to the subterranean experience. And if we didn't first sit down and really get to, you know, understand you know, what your abilities are and all of those, what your desires are, Mm -hmm. maybe what your allergies are, Mm -hmm. you know, we could be treading into a real dangerous territory, you know, and it's like for decades now, corporate beauty has just come in and like just suffocated the power out of the hair artist by pushing, you know, these toxic products and, you know, I I won't get into which actual styles or trends or all of these things that may not align with to your yeah. point, like your hairstyle or your actual lifestyle. Right. And yeah, I love that about um, what you guys do. How did the archetype book, can we describe it? Is yeah, that okay? absolutely. So it's like a book of, um, I guess it's kind of like a lookbook through different types of 
identifying markers, I guess, is a good way. Yeah. I mean, do you have a better way of describing it, actually? So we it's based it off of the renowned psycho- psychologist Carl Jung. And what he did was he looked at us objectively, took our personality traits, and then categorized them into archetypes, right? So they, they're all in us. There's 12 human personality archetypes, and certain ones are, you know, amplified in each of us that gives us our unique personality. What we did at Subterranean was looked at those archetypes and then correlated certain hair elements to it. So let's, let, let me give you an example. One of the archetypes is a caregiver, right? And the caregiver, and this is something totally unintentional, but when we went through and selected images of caregivers to create the, the montage, they were the, the surgeon, the nurse, the zoologist, the mom, the teacher. And we looked at it later and all of them had their hair pulled back because it was like their hair wasn't really a part of their end goal. When you're, you know, your desire is to bestow you know, bestow care on, you know, a senior or your child or the animals. And, you know, then the last thing you're really worried about is like, do I have this gorgeous flowing, you know, attractive hair, right? You know what I mean? So it was like these things and we didn't, you know, want to put hair and stuff in there. We wanted to put um, just lifestyles and culture. And that sort of thing was where we, you know, really felt like this will help us get past the the tragedy of bad hairstyles in the mm-hmm. past, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this will help us see the individual, right? And it's like, and it's spot on. I don't think we've ever had yeah. a situation where somebody's picked, you know, because we don't, you know. <laughs> I mean, he used to say, pick two. And if you picked three or more, then you might have an identity crisis. <laughs> so everyone's usually pretty good about at least finding the two that like really resonates with them. Yeah. Um, and then we've just now, it's, I mean, people love it. Yeah. Like, I think at first when we introduced it, we were like, oh, is this like too, you know, esoteric for people? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, are they going to get it? Is this scary? Um, but no, it's fun. They're like, this is so cool, you know, and it is a hundred percent right every single time. And it, I still get blown away with like how accurate it can be. I it mean, really we had someone recently that chose adventurer and then throughout that process, it revealed to Mitchell that he's now becoming a shaman and like, it, and that, and then Mitchell was able to curate his haircut with that kind of like shaman inspiration and with mm-hmm. if we hadn't done the archetype i think the the gentleman might have been like too shy to bring that up or not ever mention it and he like oh it was like really cool that's a good point is that sometimes we don't have the words or we don't have the confidence yeah. to really speak what we are and having a, a a selection to pick from and limited i remember i struggled with the limitation of like you can only pick two yeah it's <laughs> just like i <laughs> identify like, so many we things we all have all of them in us but which one stands out more and right kind of decipher from yeah no but it's three I I think I was like I think I'm four I don't know I'm five of them yeah yeah yeah. but it was such a good (laughs) method for me to also be like no let me really dwindle down and see within myself like which two am I you know most identifying with which is great one thing that I also wanted to touch on if we have yeah we're good we have 10 minutes till 10 p.m. So I'm going to do a quick question because I know this is a big part of Subterranean, but beyond the humanity is also the fact that you guys are green certified. Can you guys oh, just yeah. talk about that? Because that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So um, we are a green circle certified salon and green circle is this amazing um, 
organization that has really like pioneered um, recycling for salons. So salons are notorious for having incredible amounts of waste. So if you think chemical about waste. chemical, not yeah, yeah all not kinds, just, all kinds of all waste. kinds of waste yeah. from chemical like extra color that's not being used that a lot of people go dump through the drain, which then leads into our water systems. Terrible um, metals from the foil that's being used mm -hmm. and highlights. Um, plastic bottles, like you name it, it is just like, it is wasteful. Um, and so we knew Green Circle from our previous careers and, and hearing about them. And I knew once we opened, like I would love to be a Green Circle certified salon. So what that means is we are able to recycle 95% of the waste that we create in our salon and then ship it out to Green Circle. Um, we already have everything like pre-divvied um, up and they create everything from you know renewable energy from the leftover color that we scrape into recyclable plastic bags for them um, the metal from the foils get turned into bicycle parts or car parts um, even the hair that we cut goes into recycling for them and they are create the hair is used to make hair booms which is kind of like a Oil is or it's like a pile of hair kind of knotted together and when there's like an oil spill or like a disaster like that they put the hair in the water to absorb the oil yeah. um, to help clean it up out of the water wash faster. The, wash the That's wildlife the, you know you've seen it when yeah. they're cleaning the, the oil off the birds feathers and mm -hmm. stuff and yeah so it creates that it's also actually fabricated into a form of plastic which yeah. is like they're really innovative and yeah you know it costs a little bit more but we need to, as a you know, planet, actually mm -hmm. be a lot more responsible. I have an eight-year-old daughter. What's the future of this place going to look like if we don't do the things that we, you know, can, mm -hmm. you know, with a real simple, you know, it's like it took a, just a few minutes of education and adjustment. You know, I feel like all of our team are subterraneans, right? It's like they, you know, they're like-minded individuals, like-minded artists that, you know, really want to further these agendas that we're passionate about. You know, and there's three pillars for any product that comes into our shop. And, you know, number one is that they have to work, right? Because so frequently you've been, you know, duped by a marketing ploy and then you get it home and it's this expensive bunch of, you know, chemicals and fragrance that you're like, does it or doesn't it work? Number two has to harmonize with our physiology. So is it actually something that's good to be on our skin? You know, you see in today that there's so many things like autoimmune disorders where there's this big question mark, like, why am I developing these rashes and what's going on? But you definitely did develop. I did develop Alopecia. it from my, my previous... We talked you know, about that. Yeah, and it's actually dissipated because I don't expose myself any further to, you know, formaldehyde derivatives and like all this crazy stuff that's like, why is this in beauty? You know, what? You know, there's this amazing uh, series that HBO did um, not too long ago, which was, what's it called? I think it's Not So Pretty. Yeah, Not yeah. So Pretty. And it really exposes some of the, you know, the crimes that the beauty industry's committed. And there's, it goes back hundreds of years, like, to arsenic masks for, you know, women, mm -hmm. for corsets for two-year-olds. Like, the beauty oh. industry's been heinous. And mm -hmm. so, you know, harmonizing with our physiology is imperative. It has to be pretty much natural, uh, if not 100% natural, um, and, and be effective, you know, moisturizing, balancing our pH. There's so many different things. And then the last one, and this is where the Green Circle Certified comes in, has to be responsible to the planet around us. 
you know, and that, you know, where are you going to find that? You have to find it in these small indie, you know, uprising brands. And one of ours is, you know, we're so honored to have been a pioneer with a brand called Colton King. And Colton King um, puts people before profit. And that's their ethos, you know, is people before uh, profit. They have these like pre petro formulas, you know, like where there's so many petrochemicals that have been, you know, thrust into beauty products. It's like, you know, the, their formulas are like, and you could see it like Jared, you know, the, the owner, you know, he's got like these tinctures and things like incubating behind him. He's like this yeah. mad scientist <laughs> that's on a crusade to really yeah. give us something that, you know, and it's just so inspiring. And, you know, so we get behind the sharing these, these things that are, you know, real stark point of difference. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they come in these gorgeous glass bottles where you refill them. Um, I'm due for a refill for mine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still have some of that jelly, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Um, but the spray one, the I have tonic. to refill. Yeah. yeah the tonic I is like incredible. We, we call that one liquid gold. It just flies it's, off the shelves. I mean, it's a really incredible product. Um, we've seen magic happen. Um, even a guy was in just the other day and he was saying he needed to pick up a refill because he has some um you know red spots on his head and he's like i saw the biggest difference by using that but, yeah. uh, I, I, I never have seen products that are this functional like i saw, i remember a client coming in bald head you know need to get a beard shave and, and line up and stuff like that he had glowing rosacea i mean there was dry skin patches and just like angry red skin and it was like and we applied you know the tonic the scalp that uh the scalp therapy and it was like it, it started dissipating like clouds going back to normal skin tone. I've never seen that, in, you know, ever in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, there is actual real things. And it was like it, re, you know, reconfirmed my belief in, in what we're doing. Yeah. But yeah, so, you know, I think that subterranean, we, we struggle, you know, to constantly um, be authentic. And then, of course, to, you know. Um, pay the bills because it's like you know I don't think we've ever put you know the financial ahead of the you know the what, what we're trying to do the, yeah. the ethos and I don't know that we ever will because I honestly believe that if you chase paper you're going to run for the rest of your life oh, yeah. and you'll never be satisfied money doesn't buy happiness these old cliches but they're absolutely true um, and but, also like look where it's gotten us you know yeah mm -hmm. absolutely but if you invest in your passion you go to sleep successful every night, you know, and it's like, that's the message I try to really uplift my team with, you know, of course we need to necessitate, mm -hmm. you know, basic, you know, standards of living and, and, or, you know, hopefully, I mean, I, I like fashion, you know, yeah. <laughs> but so at the end of the day, there is certain things there, you know, but it goes back to like, you know, Vivian Westwood telling you to invest wisely, make it last. Like, whatever happened to those days where it's like... Quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. Right. Where you buy, you know, something or you invest in something that actually has a lot of integrity and, you know, human talent involved in its manufacture. And then you just keep polishing it up. And it's like, oh, it lasted a lifetime, you know? And that's what we really believe in is, is like, you know, kind of waste not, you know, want not. That, that sort of mentality is really, you know, vital mm -hmm. to, to what we're doing. I'm like, again, on... The tangent, and I apologize. <laughs> Not at all. This is great. Yeah, I love like I hearing said, all this. Like I want the whole world to hear him. Yeah, right? he's magnetizing, like passionate, 
and like it's just incredible yeah very yeah. eloquent too yes puts it perfectly so at the end of um all of our interviews we like to kind of bring it back to pedro and um yeah. i what i like to ask it's a two-parter um feel free you know yeah it's a two-parter and whichever one is more you can elaborate but um one of the things I like to ask is, first of all, what concerns you about our community right now? Or what areas do you feel that we have for improvement? And then what excites you about San Pedro? Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. So I am passionate about our town, our community. I'm so privileged and honored to actually take care of a lot of what I feel are the movers and shakers in this town. Um, and the colorful personalities. I feel like we've got this tremendous diversity um, in this town and a, and a tremendous amount of talent. And I, so that, that inspires me for the future mm-hmm. of, of our community. And I know, I, you know, we're, we're like this little, you know, small town in this, you know, big, broad Los Angeles. We're part of Los Angeles City. And, you know, I think that, um, but we really keep it to our, our own and our own culture. And, you know, it, it, it's like, I think they we're really discerning in where we invest as, as a town and, um, and how we're going to grow our, our children's future. And we're really concerned with those things as a community. Um, but we are a community. We work together. We support each other. We have each other's back. And that's really important for any new business entrepreneurs that are trying to, you know, develop something. They have to understand that. I think that was at the utmost concern when we were building our space. We used all San Pedro um, contractors, you know, every, everybody that built subterranean came from this town, mm-hmm. you know. And we wanted to make sure from the, you know, the entry-level laborer all the way through to our, our you know, our general contractor, our electrician, our plumber, yeah, everybody had to, you know, that was really important to me that like we're employing San Pedro um, to, you know, a certain extent, you know, we, we got old shipwood, we bought vintage shipwood to, to make our barbershop countertops, you know, and it was like, we just, you know, we really feel passionate about the history and we're, we know about the, you know, we, we, we know all the way back to the original tribes that had settled here, you know, and the growth of this, you know, amazing port town and the, you know, the fact that, you know, it's like people say that we're, I remember being in high school and, you know, people talking about it being rough and, you know, that, and it, yeah, it has its edge, you know what I mean? And, and it's like, I always kind of say, yeah, you, you don't want to, you know, be too loud mouth in the San Pedro bar because you'll probably get your ass kicked, you know, <laughs> type of thing. We don't really, you know, we, we don't play. Um, but I, I kind of like that because it's a real depiction of, of, our, of our community. We have each other's back. We're not going to put up with, you know, about a, a bunch of BS, but we're, we're wholehearted in our endeavors and that's that that that's my town, you know. That's where I, I'm. I'm, you know, my child is growing up, and all of her imprinting that comes from here. The future, I think, is is great. And I, you know, we embrace innovation. We embrace the change, and I think that that's inevitable. The change happens, and you know, it 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 takes a community to make it successful. So if we want, you know, great restaurants. And we want, you know, new opportunities, then we have to, you know, get behind that and subscribe to that and invest in that. 
and I believe in, in the thing, I, I believe in West Harbor, you know, I, and there's certain things that I know that, you know, I mean, cause I was a kid going to ports of call, taking helicopter rides a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like, and I remember when it was thriving and we would go to El Paso Cantina as kids and, you know, all these different things that was, you know, and it, that hasn't been here for 20 years or so, you know, and, and I think that or 30 years almost now, it's like, it's really taken that this downturn when it used to be this family outing on a Saturday or Sunday, you would go to ports of call and, you know, have the, you know, and, and those things I think are important that we do bring those elements back. And yeah, it's 2022. So it's going to have a different face, right? It's going to have more of a modern um, element to it. And yeah, your property value is going to probably go up from that. So you might as well be cool and invest in it, or at least, you know, be embracing of some of those changes. But we're always going to be San Pedro. Mm-hmm. You know, we're always going to have, you know, that like, I'll kick your ass mentality <laughs> if you come in here, you know, doing, saying the wrong type of thing. So that's probably always going to be us. Um, and we're always going to have, you know, we're, we're probably always going to be that blue collar town, the little engine that could, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to keep on, you know, um, blossoming. And that's, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's like I, I look at my, my block alone and it's like, you know, probably every other house is of a different political affiliation or, mm-hmm. or whatever, but we're neighbors. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like we respect each other. We look out for each other's kids, you know? And I, I, I just, you know, I, I know that I'm going to be a purveyor of that and everything that we do is like, yeah, you know, we're going to set all that stuff aside because mm-hmm. San Pedro and our community and our children are more important, you know? And yeah. I love that answer. And I love you. I love hearing you speak so passionately about this mm-hmm. community. It's very cool. Um, did you Rosie? want to ask anything? Or? Oh, do you want me to add to that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're you're <laughs> you know, no, kind I of transplant from West Texas. I know. And I do, I come from a small town where I feel like San Pedro can, is very much like that. Now, I wasn't blessed to be, you know, outside of a major city and have those opportunities like we do here with LA City. But I can definitely get behind the feeling of how, you know, with the growth of San Pedro, how there are some people that are reluctant to it and, um, coming from a small town community, I, I get it. You definitely know everybody's name and what they do, and I can see that. But I do think with the growth of San Pedro, it's exciting. I feel like it's nothing but positive. Um, I think the coolest thing for me about um, San Pedro and seeing this kind of trickling growth is just witnessing it inside of our shop. Um, and seeing like all of the really cool clients that we have, we have this really good, um, balance of like, you know, old school, what they say, San Pedrans to like these new entrepreneur, like young art, um, you know, people, fresh, fresh blood. blood, Yeah. That are coming in and everyone is like the coolest people. I just have to say, like, I think our, our guests that come into our shop are like magnetized in a way or drawn to us. And we have the coolest hands down clients that come in. Um, and I'm always like, where do they live? Because I'm like, sometimes I don't see them out and they're like, where are they coming from? But they're all artists, entrepreneurs, you know, business shakers, like they're everything. Um, just a melting pot. And I think that's really exciting to see the kind of the generational and then the new, like you said, fresh blood coming in and mixing with each other. Cause I think that's yeah. exciting when you're a new person coming into a city that has that kind of, um, you know, family blood. It's like, you kind of want a taste of that too. Like who yeah. doesn't want to be like, 
you know, adopted into adopted that. into that, right? It kind of feels good and feels like home, right? Yeah. The so. town you can drive to but not through. We love you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Trademark that. that. Cool. Well, thank you. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. all for our episode follow us for more on instagram at hello sp podcast huge thanks to rock ashfields at palm realty boutique for providing us such a gorgeous recording space and thank you to all of our amazing patreon supporters leave us a review and share this episode with your friends neighbors and co-workers see you next week